This is unstructured. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute and let you know that there's some issues with the audio that are recorded. Um, my microphone had the gain up too high and through many, many efforts, we tried to fix the audio. We improved it a good bit, but it's still not fixed. Fortunately, Mark's audio is fantastic and he's really the one who counts. So keep that in mind and thank you so much for listening. Hey everybody, today I'm really excited. I'm with Mark Bowden and Mark Bowden is famous for being a body language guy. I've been lately studying different um, specters of influence and then tying with FBI agents and crime. And Mark may think I'm a little weird, but I actually think this is all of a piece. Interrogation, influence, body language, all of these things actually do go together, um, both on the light side and the dark side. And I really want to pick Mark's brain a little bit. I mean, the guy's written four books, so I think he's just getting familiar with this topic. How are you doing today, I'm good, Mark? Eric. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Great to speak to you. Oh, it's awesome to speak to you, man, because you always put on a performance. And before we actually went on, we were talking about that, how we're always performing and often we may have a single message or a set of messages and we tend to be doing them over and over and over and over. How do you deal with that or keep it fresh for a new audience? Yeah, so we, you've got to remember that, that what is an old message for you or something that has taken you years to get together and you maybe have spent, you know, I mean, I've spent maybe 15 years now delivering these same kind of messages. One friend of mine once said, look, you know, you've only got one song. There's, there's just <laughs> only everybody only ever writes one song. Some of them sound a little bit different. They got some different lyrics and different tunes, but the core message of the song is always pretty much the same. And I think that's that's quite true. So it's very easy for me at this end to, I guess, get bored of my my message and not realize the importance of the message happens in other people's heads. The message happens in your head, in your, your audience's head right now. And for many of them, it's the first time for them to hear that. And it's important. Uh, you know, people write me notes and letters and, and, and emails going, wow, when you said that, that really made a difference for me. It really changed my life. And if I start thinking about myself and going, God, I've heard this message so often and there must be a better one as well. There must be something else. There must be something better. Well, essentially, I, I, I rob uh, the audience of my one good song, which, which should be <laughs> sung again and again and again and again, um, you know, with, with that same freshness each time, because it is important and it can make things a whole lot different and a whole lot more positive for people. Now you come from a stage yeah. background. Did that did that help you shape that perspective? Because technically, on stage, you rehearse for a role, and then you are performing the role, you know, day after day or every weekend, three days a week, depending on how it lays yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I, that, you know, some some um, performances that I did. Gosh, you know, I would do them for more than a year, uh, eight times a week. Uh, you know, twice on a Saturday, twice on a Wednesday. Uh, time and time again, and you'd rehearse for time. And you might think, well, is that about 
creating something that can be reproduced the same time and time and time again. But in my world of performance and theater, we used to say it's different every night. And, and it's important that it's different every night. It's important that you practice what you're doing and you rehearse what you're doing. You prepare what you're doing in order to stay adaptable and available for the real moments that come. That, that rehearsal time is really about getting a solid um, foundation of what you're going to do, but it's not to get an idea of what exactly you're going to do. Who knows? Who knows? You know, when I'm performing on stage with somebody else, they may look at me a certain way, you know, a different way. You know things like that are going to happen. Yes. It's like, you know, and then I'd go, well, what, what happened there? Because we didn't practice that. We didn't know that, that, you know, that threw me off. So you have to, you know, you have to stay adaptable. You have to include all the things that, uh, that happen. So um, rehearsal for me was never about getting a, a final decision on what was going to go on. It was about getting a strong foundation to leave yourself available and adaptable to what really goes on between you, the other performers and the audience to really get a sense of the other human beings in the place with you and yourself as a human being. Makes total sense. And do not disturb doesn't always work. I just <laughs> yeah. if I take away <laughs> anything from this podcast, take away when you put do not disturb, <laughs> it, it won't, always comply with your with your command yes best laid plans but and i am actually going somewhere with this because on stage you know, with the audience you're communicating with each other and you're reflecting each other's energy as you go and i'm thinking that that's the whole basis of all of your work that in an interaction one plus one equals three yeah Quite literally. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're trying to work the music between you and other performers and the audience. And I, and I do that now when I'm, when I'm speaking. I mean, if you go and have a look at the, uh, the TEDx talk that I did, the importance of being inauthentic. Great talk. People often say to me, because I often train people in structure as well, the structure of, of how you might speak. And so I'll do a long lecture for people on structure and they'll go, okay, so you did that great talk for for TEDx Toronto, and, and what was your structure for that? And I say, well, I just decided, I'd worked out the first kind of minute and the last 30 seconds, and then I just headed to the end and, and just saw what happened. <laughs> and, and that's why I would say, I mean, go and look at it, but that's why I would say it's so alive. It feels quite different, okay. I think, from a lot of other TED Talks out there, because you can't see somebody there who's rehearsed I, I literally don't know what's going to happen next stuff uh st you know and they and, and the people at TEDx Toronto would say you know let's rehearse with you and and I'd say well I'm I'm happy to do that but honestly I I don't know what's going to happen in it and they kind of smile at me and <laughs> laugh and and after a while I just kind of rehearsed with them an idea you know I, I kind right. of pretended that this is what I was going to do and then I just walked on and started talking. And but that's that's the the great, I guess, risk and the great benefit of I would say being trying to be an artist on stage, especially when I'm when I'm speaking, when I'm doing this work on body language, is to go. I'm going to take a lot of risks here because 
the point of this art is to remind you that you're alive. The point of my speaking is to remind the audience that they're alive, literally that they start thinking about their body and thinking about their behavior and thinking about their communication. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm not somebody just listening to stuff. I have an active part in the communication that I do. I, I, I can be purposeful in that. I can be available. I can be really present, really alive when I'm communicating. And, and, and uh, you know, Eric, that's what I'm doing right now. I've, I've never said these words that I'm saying to anybody <laughs> on the podcast. I don't know whether they're good or not. I'm just speaking off the top of my head with, with an idea of trying to remind the audience that they're alive and that they, they have um, agency in the world and they can make decisions and they can have effect and that effect can be good or bad, positive, negative, and everything in between. But but we're all alive today. We're all here now, and and that's an astonishing thing. That's that's an extraordinary thing. We're alive right now. Sure. Pretty amazing. Wow. It really is. If you go into the odds of a single sperm meeting a single egg and all the miracles that happen, but so what you're saying is you are living in the moment or trying to absolutely capture the moment at any given point. Absolutely, and that and that means two things. That means I must be prepared. Prepared. I must be prepared for that moment, but I must be willing to adapt to that moment as well. I've got to have a plan and I must be willing to drop the plan at any moment and, and see where it's, it's going. Uh, that's where the uh, authenticity comes is that moment where you go, wow, I'm dropping the plan. I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's very different from what in my mind, other people might think about authenticity, which is just doing what you want, getting your way, living the life that feels best for you. If I lived the life that felt best for me, I, I wouldn't do any of these podcasts because they're, you know, they're a bit of an imposition, <laughs> aren't they? It's a bit like you want me to, you know, talk to, to you, you're miles away, you know, try and get a quick relationship with you and your less listeners. It's 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 not something anybody I think naturally wants to do, or certainly I naturally want to do. So what do I do? I force myself to do it. I plan for it and I remain adaptable. And 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 you know, hopefully because of that, because of that work, we have a great time here. Yeah, because oh, yeah. the alternative is I just spend longer in bed. And that would, that would be great. That would be authentic. <laughs> for me, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't get to share this moment together, which ultimately I'm finding out is better than me staying in bed. True. It's, it, I, I'm also a runner and, um, I'm a big believer in some of that one, most runs suck, yeah. <laughs> but I never feel bad afterward. I usually feel pretty good. Oh, I did that. Right. Didn't feel great at the time, but boy, it was worth doing. Um, I'm in better shape. I feel better about myself. And speaking of running, you had quite the role in a Nike commercial. Yeah, yeah, you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So if people don't know that, just uh, just get yourselves over to YouTube and probably put in Nike Streaker, Nike Streaker, and there you'll find me. Um, in, in full glory, definitely living in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so that was great to do. That much as it looks like. Um, uh, I'm really streaking, though I am. I totally am. I totally am running across a football pitch naked while people are playing football. Two teams are playing football and there's a stadium of, of people. 
Uh, it was a commercial for Nike for the Super Bowl, I think in about, gosh, I'm going to say 97 or something like that. 97 Super Bowl, maybe, something like that. And we filmed it over four days uh, with, <laughs> with full stadiums. So, you know, uh, tens of thousands of people in a stadium each day over four days, two football teams pay, playing for four days as we, as we <laughs> filmed something that truly looks like I am, you know, that moment of streaking. And it, and it was Nike's idea. They wanted to, to get this sense of freedom, this sense of just do it. Uh, it was the first, <laughs> first exposure of, um, of the Nike shocks, uh, trainers. Uh-huh. And so I was the, uh, you know, first time those were ever seen to, uh, for the public. <laughs> and they wanted to get the sense of what would somebody be like if they were truly free, if they were truly just doing it. And so they knew the work that I did within physical performance and <laughs> said, how about this? And I said, yeah, okay, I, I'm willing to do that. Sounds good. You know, how much? And it was the right number. And so, <laughs> and so uh, we went and did it. It was an extraordinary thing. Go take a look. But I think, you know, the, 20 years yeah, later, the important, thing, the important thing to look at is, 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 is how I uh, capture physically for that brand that, that um, sense of freedom. Who would you be if you just got on the pitch and, and were free? Um, mm. And could escape the law. There's a, there's, you know, there's that idea of the law running after me, the police trying to catch me, and they just, they just can't. And not because I'm, uh, you know, I, I was super physically, you know, super fit at the time. I had, I, I didn't have the most athletic uh, body at the time. But they're kind of going, look, you know, freedom is a, is a, is a, and fitness and and just doing it is an internal idea. You don't have to have the most athletic body to do it. Sure. And you had a real cheekiness about it. You you were having fun with it, which is just awesome. Now on the other end, um, because I wanted to get them in, you were fully covered in every possible way playing an orc general, I believe. For sure. So, so I've worked for, for years in uh, what we call, it's called skin work which was when you, when you mask up, I started my, my theater career with a mask theater company. was obsessed with the <laughs> idea of how you put on, um, I guess, you know, costumes and faces and put on other, other characters. So, yeah, so I, I uh, created the movement for that and the voice for that orc uh, general. A little bit of voice for you now. Come on now. Hope that comes across. <laughs> Oh, definitely, you. definitely. It's not Skype. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I spent many, I think... many, uh, many years working in uh, the performance of of physicality and creating monsters and and fear and trust. And so you know, eventually that transposed into the work that I do now, which really is about trust. Really about the idea of why do you trust? certain people? Why do you fear certain people? Why do you trust certain people? What is it about their behavior that causes fear or trust? And because business and, and politics, which are the world, worlds that, and sales, the worlds that I work in now, really want to know about how do they get others to trust them for good reasons. They, they think they've got good policy or good ideas or, or good things to sell or good leadership to give their people. But we follow the people that we trust most in general 
And so, you know, how do we create that that trust? So in costume, technically, you were conveying the ultimate body language because your face is yeah. covered. You couldn't do it through voice. Maybe you could do something. Yeah, the voice. voice is done later. But, you know, you, the, the, uh, the right. voice is done uh, ADR, additional dialogue recording afterwards in a studio to get that really deep, you know, tone. I was thinking right yeah, up you on, get right up on the mic and and uh, your lowest tones down there, and then they they process the sound as well, which is awesome. Now I'm thinking that that is what shaped you into your message. You've managed to go to the extreme level of communication, grandiose, and you've distilled it down into subtlety. Yeah, I think you're you're, you're right. I've had the experience of going really big with with ideas really big physically i mean literally filling stadiums with that that physicality um uh one of my my mentors in in visual physical theater um you know what there are kind of two things that he would he would you know shout at you on stage which was which was you know bigger bigger or do less do less do less and so it became about these these extremes of how big you can be and how subtle you can be. And I think when it comes to the nonverbal communication that influence and persuades, there's a huge amount of subtlety that you can use that has a massive effect. These little nudges that you can give a situation, but, but constant nudges that you can give a situation that trigger other people into being influenced and persuaded in the way that you need for them. Right. Have you read a lot of um, Robert Chaldean, oh, yeah. for example? Or... Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean that back in the day, that was the real the real Bible. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was an extraordinary book back in the day. Still a great book. Still a great book to to read. Um, I think there are other uh, great books um, out there. There's a lot. I mean, just you know, as the internet has come about, just the proliferation of data, information, and help that you can get of course sorting it is is tricky but there's so much out there uh but if you've already got a good sorting me mechanism there's some great stuff out there sure read read Cialdini uh great great stuff um read my stuff uh I've been following um a guy uh Chase Chase Hughes who I met I yeah Chase. okay so I met Chase for for uh dinner just recently we had a great uh, great dinner together nice. yeah um, he's a local. Okay, team. cool. Well, great book, great book, extraordinary book. In that he's he's taken some of the work that you'd have to wade through, thick book, heavy book after heavy book, to try and find the nugget in there, <laughs> and and he's really extracted some great. Uh, nuggets of influence and persuasion. He's expanded them and adapted them into some even more powerful and simple mm -hmm. ideas and and techniques. And he's created models as well. Uh, when have I got it back here? Hang on there a second. Yes. So his be behavioral table of Bingo. elements. I was going to ask you uh, about yeah. that. I was going to mention it off the side. I didn't know you knew him, but that's fantastic yeah. because. Um, I wanted to get into that, how we have a tendency to misread people. Yeah. 
like if somebody is sitting with their legs crossed, they're actually relaxed. Right, right. Not closed off. Right. It's the reverse. And it could mean so because many if things. a predator came yeah, It could mean so many, so many things. Um, <clears throat> what's great about, about Chase's table is not only does it use, of course, this periodic table science metaphor, and I think what he's right. doing by that is going, look, guys, this is quite complicated. This is quite, mm-hmm. this is quite complex. And no one element will give you a key to anything. Right. But if you put the elements together, you might create a, something that's more compound and you can start to make decisions from more compound ideas. Now, of course, to put those elements together to make a compound, you're going to have to study. It's going to take more time. You're going to have to think about it carefully. And so I think just as I've been trying to do, and and many of the other really good body language writers out there, and there are some great writers out there, and there's some stuff out there which I don't think is so great, okay? And (laughs) I think what those of us that are doing that are good around this area, we're saying, look, it's a beautiful um, romance romantic idea that you could look at somebody and have them like that. Like I've got them. I know what's going on. I've, I've read their mind. I know what they're going to do or say, or I know what was behind that. It's a beautiful romance and it's a beautiful fantasy, but it isn't accurate. There's a nice truth to it that we want to know what people are thinking and feeling. We know the advantage of that. There's a lovely truth to it, but there isn't an accuracy to it and therefore i think what the really good writers in this area are trying to do and i and i would i would say you know chase is is one of them Uh, i love joe navarro's work there's a whole bunch of others out there um who are fantastic as well but i think what we're trying to do is help people with accuracy and and help them get to the truth through accuracy one thing that Chase, I know, definitely does is he likes to video the people and then go back to the video because trying to do this live is where you go completely off the rails. But if you have the video, then you can look at compounding behaviors and say, OK, there seems to be something worth digging into there. And that's exactly how he puts it. He doesn't even say that that's a definite lie. He says there there are indicators there that you should do. Right. So, so look, he's also using, quite rightly, a technology that we have now, which is a technology that can record behavior and play it back after it's fact. That's extraordinary because the brain doesn't do that. The brain sees what it sees now, makes a judgment, and then when you think back about what you saw, you've imposed your judgment on it. Now, look, your judgment could be very, very accurate, very, very inaccurate or something in between, but your judgment will believe it's accurate. And so now you're looking through this lens of your judgment. What, what Chase is doing there, quite rightly, is to say, look, we, we, we've got a tool here that we could use. We can record uh, a moment in time and go back over it later and see it again and again and think about it, think about it really carefully. And he's absolutely right to say, Look, all that is, if we see a moment or a collection of moments, you know, as as I'm saying there, a compound of moments, what that is, is interesting. As I always say, well, that's (laughs) notable. That's notable and it's interesting and we should inquire more about that. 
or, or not if it's not valuable. If there's no value in finding out more, there's no value, value in knowing, are you lying to me or telling me the truth or, or are you happy or sad? Are you upset or are you, you disdainful or angry or, you know, whatever it is, if there's no value to it. Let's leave it and go on and think about some other more valuable stuff. So, so, um, you know, I'm glad that you like, uh, um, Chase's work. I think it's, it's fantastic. You know, he's one of a collection of, of, of a good handful of people out there who I think are doing some really, uh, interesting and great, great work. And, 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 you know, man, that is a, that is a heap of work that he's put in there. You gotta, you, you gotta just take your hat off to him when you see that and go and just go, well done. Well done on that. That is extraordinary. Sure. Now to bring it back yeah, to sure. you, I wanted to bring the videoing um, that he had mentioned in because your latest work is about reading yeah. body language, but you've also stated that really that's not as important as conveying body language. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, would you recommend, let's say you're going to give a presentation, videoing yourself so you can check yourself and see what does this look like how do i look but like watching it without with the sound turned off for yeah example. here's what i do um and it fits in very nicely what we're talking there about why you might video somebody else but when you're speaking and behaving you actually know how you're thinking and feeling you you actually know why would you need to go back and look at yourself so here's a better thing. You need to um, uh, perform in front of somebody else, somebody you trust. This is a better way of doing it. Perform in somebody you, you trust, perform in front of somebody you trust, and allow them to stop you when you're really interesting or when you're really disengaging or you look disengaged and go, hey, um, I'm lost here. I don't get this anymore and, and, and you seem disengaged and I'm disengaged and get them to say, what's happening for you right now? What are you trying to do? Because if they stop you in that moment, you're able to go, oh, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to do X, you know, I'm trying to do this. And they might go, yeah, well, that's not working. That's not working because, because I'm not getting it. And they might be able to go, look, why don't you, why don't you do, try and do this or keep, keep trying to talk to me. You, you've stopped talking to me. I lost you mm -hmm. for a moment. Get back with talking to me. And that might be able to trigger you into going, okay, it's about my conversation with you, not my conversation with the material that I have. So my preference mm -hmm. is to work in that real live moment with somebody else that you trust uh, in order to get a better idea of how you're coming across right now, because then you can get in touch with your conscious and unconscious and get a sense of, look, what am I trying to achieve right now? And is it working? And what else could I do to do a better job? Or if I'm doing a great job, let me just continue doing that. Hope that makes, makes sense to you. Perfect sense. So they help you with your blind spots. Yeah. And it also... I, I'm kind of a believer in the whole, if you paint a painting, you may think it means one thing, but it really means whatever the audience member thinks. It right. Means. And when, when artists get really good, what they wanted the audience to think and feel, the painting triggers the audience to think and feel that. When 
the artist is not so good, the artist might say things like, you know, the, the viewer might go, well, I think it's about X and it makes me feel like this. And the artist might think, oh gosh, I'm not even sure what it is meant to make people think and feel, but you know, whatever you want. <laughs> well, I don't think that's ever been a really solid argument around around what the relationship between the artist and the and the audience is. I don't think it's a whatever you want relationship. Uh, some other artists might disagree with me on that, and I'd be totally happy to argue uh, till the cows come home on that because <laughs> because um, otherwise you just um, you're just leaving it up to chance. Like a, 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 it's that point where you go, well, a child or a monkey doing this. Look at this brilliant child artist, and there's there's no monkey artists, by the way. <laughs> there aren't. Okay. There aren't any. Um, you know, uh, but there are some brilliant child artists because they know what they want to get across. And there's some bad child artists as well, and there's some bad adult artists because they don't know what they want to get across. They haven't got the technique and the ability to do it. And they're then going, well, um, it's just chaos. It's just whatever the audience want to make of it. For me, that's not good enough. Right. And when you're working with a friend, they may help you actually figure out what your message is. Because I imagine you aren't always, I mean, I listen to a lot of comedians mm. and they have to work their material. They don't just come out you know, with these brilliant jokes overnight, they have to go out there in front of an audience and work it and work it and work the crowd night after night. Why didn't that work? Why didn't this work? And I'm, what you're describing kind of makes me think that maybe in fact what you are doing too, because you say something meaningless, but the person hears something else or feels something else. You step back and go, well, yeah, actually I did trigger right. that. And it, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's actually better than what you were trying. Sure. To do. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying for sure that I can't get it wrong and it doesn't work out really well. I mean, there's cases <laughs> where. I mean, that's the beauty of it is is you can go, an audience can go. Well, I got this out of it, and you go, Wow, okay, that that's great that you got that. That wasn't what I was trying to get. That's a better effect than what I was trying to get. You know, and you're like, I'll take that. But then you're thinking, yeah, but how do I do that again? <laughs> how otherwise, did I get that? <laughs> otherwise, a monkey could do it. A monkey could get the same the same arbitrary result, good arbitrary result. And and I want to be able to reproduce the result, not necessarily go through the same motions each time to get the result. But what do I need to do in, in, in you know, today with you and your audience to get the result that I'm looking for, which is for people to go, wow, I'm alive. I've got I've got power. I can do stuff and it has a result. Yeah. So what do I need to do? And so I'm not saying that that I've by any manner that I've perfected the outcomes Right. But I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to perfect the outcomes and I'm trying to perfect the technique to get to those outcomes and getting the outcome that I want. That's the moment of art. That's the moment when it works, when somebody thinks or feels and gets triggered and starts to integrate into their life the idea. Uh, that's, that's the moment of, of art. 
and the process is something that you must love or enjoy or thrive in because it's painful to get there. Yeah. So the, the process of it is something you, you kind of maybe have to become a little bit obsessed by because you have to totally, you have to care about it more than most anything else because it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to talk to a large group of people and all of them to go away with the same idea. That's really hard to do. So if you want to achieve what is incredibly hard, you've got to work really hard at, at what are the, the objects and the tools and the elements and the scenarios and the situations. How do we manufacture this, this moment with them to get this incredible moment of everybody thinking, feeling the same thing and doing the same thing? Now, changing gears slightly, do you feel that your dyslexia actually helps you in this regard? And and the reason why I'm bringing it up is there's been some studies on dyslexia and so, or some thoughts about it. Like one, reading is new. Mm. If we look at all of mankind, how long we've been around, reading is a new thing. And it's not necessarily adaptive for the entire population. People who are dyslexic tend to be better at memorizing things, more observant, um, able to see things around them. And I think it's actually a superpower in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just not a very good, it's just not a superpower at, at reading a math on the whole for, for, for most of us. Uh, dyslexia has some, some, you know, has a spectrum and has some elements uh, to it. Um, but yeah, I think, look, language is, is probably about 200,000 years old. That's, that's how far away back we kind of start seeing cave paintings that seem to have a syntax to them. They're using images in order to tell stories. And those images are, are um, you know, there's ideas in the head with, from probably past events or fantasies of events that are being put onto the wall and that's maybe the first time that we're starting to see language evolve so maybe only about 200,000 uh, years old and it's about 200,000 years ago that we start to see the neocortex become really big you know skulls before and not as big as the skulls that we have here in the frontal lobe uh, area so yeah I think you're right it's pretty new um, so is, is, is my brain trying to catch up with that as my brain advanced on that well certainly we know it's it's for us dyslexic it's different and we know how it's different in that um, the, the, the areas of the brain connect up with each other. And if you imagine the, they connect up with kind of, if you imagine kind of pylons and, and, and cables, you know, collect, connecting each kind of, I don't know, village or town to other villages and, and towns. And uh, in some people, their brains, um, uh, they have really short connections. And so they don't connect very quickly to other areas of the brain, but they connect rapidly with very near areas, which mean they can become uh, very focused in an area for a very, very long time and very obsessed with, with an area. My connectors, if you call them that, um, have really long connectors and they're all over the place, which, which means that I, I will literally see the world in a different way than some other people, not necessarily a better way, but very different and useful way in that I see really big pictures. I see how something that somebody says 
I'll instantly connect it to other things that I've heard which aren't connected in most other people's minds at all. I'll put it in historical context. I'll put it in context of other areas, literally other areas of my brain. And so suddenly somebody says something and I've got this big world uh, around it, which can be really helpful. It can be nonsense for some sure. people. It can be like, why are, you, why are you talking about that? And sometimes people will go, God, why didn't we think of that? That's brilliant. That's genius. And so, mm-hmm. you know, really that's, that's partly what I – certainly is that style of thinking that's gone into all of the body language work that I've done, which made it so different from other writers in the area, is people were going, wow, we haven't seen anybody think like that before think about body language in that way gather the tools and techniques around that put it into one place certainly i was thinking about it in a very different way than most other other people yeah and it is this this mindset that um that does that uh, we also often learn because we're having to cope in a world where the majority aren't thinking like us dyslexics are around about one in ten so so nine out of ten are thinking you know in much the same way and we're having to manage that world we find ways to cope and live in that world and sometimes just break it just break break (laughs) that world uh not take part in it so there's some kind of social radicalism and and ideas radicalism which isn't solely from the dyslexia it's solely from how we cope and how we manage with a world that isn't dyslexic though we sure sorry though we though we oh, you're back with i'm back with you now i just tapped a button okay. there that cuts off the sound um we, we're coping with a world that isn't in the main dyslexic but we would say that it's pretty much made by dyslexia uh so so you know it's great that the lights are on here thank you dyslexic for for those light bulbs another reason that you can read body language though is you're busy observing everybody you don't quite fit in so you have to observe the patterns of people around you and say okay how do i fit in and i hate to say it's a little like a psychopath but it is in that same yeah yeah, well we're all on that spectrum somewhere we we all uh we're all on the psychopathic spectrum somewhere just some of us know it and some of us don't know it and we're really high on that that spectrum and that can that can cause a lot of issues and a lot of a lot of problems but yes um i do love and gravitate towards observing the visual images around me for sure and 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 yes it 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 most likely does have a great deal to do with i wasn't good at school with reading uh or writing stuff or you know just getting stuff down on paper it just doesn't come out like it's in my head and my ideas will be usually be often be radically different from other people's ideas but they can't make it onto paper uh really well which is frustrating very frustrating is that why you have a co-author to help with um refining your message or or translating yeah, your message so certainly to... tracy thompson who co-authored uh, truth and lies what people are really thinking that they the the fourth book uh, she's a co-author on that. She absolutely helped on all the others, isn't down as a co-author, but absolutely I need, I need Tracy in order to, uh, number one, she comes up with 
<clears throat> fantastic ideas of her own and, and, and formats for the, for the book. And certainly the format of Truth and Lies is this idea of taking, writing stories about behavior and then us um, taking apart those stories about behavior in a critical thinking way. Because really, you know, to your point about uh, a book on reading body language, Truth and Lies is actually really a book on critical thinking disguised as a book on reading body language. It's a, it's a <laughs> book on how to think better and more accurately about other people. Now, it has all the great stuff on body language that you're looking for, Sure. But what it has above many other body language books is a critical thinking method. Same method that they would use in uh, FBI or CIA, anywhere where they're trying to think really carefully about people and get more accurate. It's that critical thinking, Socratic thinking methodology. So, mm -hmm. so um, you know, Tracy came up with that story format around that. Um, so, so I wouldn't want to say that she's she is there to, you know, check my spelling and it's, it's way more than than that but but it is really important for me to have somebody who can look at my work and manage the frustration of reading what I've written and manage me and my frustration around not being understood because I, I you know I, I guarantee you Eric when you even with spell check even with technology sure when you read back what I've first written you look at it and you just go, what is this? What, is, <laughs> what are you, you know, Tracy will literally say, what are you saying? And I'm thinking it's, it's obvious. It's, ob <laughs> it's ob obvious. And I'll say, well, you know, I'm saying this and she'll say, yeah, but that's not what it says. That isn't what it says. Mm -hmm. And so there's this second process of, of trying to get to what I was actually trying to say. It's, very frustrating for everybody. Will you be re releasing the book as an audiobook as well to help those who struggle? With yeah, the yeah. You, you would think I should, I should think carefully about that, shouldn't you? Um, uh, you know, we, 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 we will get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to point out a, maybe a little bit of a... <laughs> A factor that could be of yeah, use. Yeah, that's that's very useful. That's very that's very useful. <laughs> yeah, gosh, yeah, we will get there. We need to. Uh, the the book's been out in it been out in written form uh, for about a, not quite a year now, maybe about eight months. Um, it took. It was released at different stages in different markets as well. Mm -hmm. Who knows why? I I don't understand the publishing world. And, and now uh, we know it's across the world. I think now we can look to going, okay, uh, let's, let's get it out in the audio format. So, so thanks for that little nudge there. Uh, <laughs> the next time, if we, if we do this again in another six months or a year, uh, you know, what I want is for you to go, hey, so I, I listened to the, uh, the audio. Because exactly. <laughs> I'm actually listening to the audio of your third Okay, book. great. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. Which so. isn't me; it's somebody else. That um, I wish you picked a brick. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was the more thing. Just, little. It was just there. It's just. It was just there. Sure. It's just like, and there's the audio book. It's like, wow, I didn't like. Nobody talked to me about that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm also thinking, you're a performer, but then I imagine that reading it back to speak might be oh, difficult. Man, that would be such. That'd be hard so, work reading reading my own stuff. Just reading, just reading's hard. 
just reading is hard. Right. Um, cause I don't really read books. I, I kind of, it's odd. I kind of look at them. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, you know, I used to think I was, pro, I was a really good reader cause I could read very, very quickly. And now over time I've realized I'm not actually reading. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm picking up words and then I'm making up what I think it's talking about. Yeah. And, and, and then, and so, so I'll read books that other people are reading and they'll go, so what do you think of the book? And I'll go, well, you know, it was was great how they, how it's talking about this and this and this. And they'll they'll go, what, where did you read that bit? Like, well, no, that's what I got from it. And they'll go, wow, that's pretty amazing. And I'm just, you know, I'm just deciding in my mind what I, I think the books are about, I think a lot of the time because it's a bit painful to read reading aloud it's just though i can do it i can do it just the the mental gymnastics that's going on sure. the hard work that's going on i think that's what what you often need to uh, understand if you want to about about some dyslexics is they can often they don't look <laughs> like dyslexics because uh, they're they're reading oh, yeah they're that. reading and they're writing and, and they can be reading and writing right. quite well. It's just what you're not seeing is the huge, huge effort that's going in underneath that, that they're, the stress and pressure that's going in underneath that. And they're not allowing you to see that. They don't want people to see how they're working. Sure. You know, what for others is, is just, you know, you pick up something and read it and that's it. For some dyslexics, it's like heavy lifting. It's like doing a marathon, you know, but they just sure. don't, they're not showing you that they're running for 20, you know, 20 odd miles. What's it? It is a fascinating condition. And I, I'm of the mindset that everything is there for sure. a reason and it's actually um, very adaptable and useful. Kind of like you've professed, there is no bad body language. There's only a message yeah. that you may or may not intend to Perfect convey. Put, yeah. 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 So, um, so everything's there for a reason. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I, 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 I well, I think you can make reasons, and we make reasons out of everything. Uh, I don't think dyslex- having dyslexia is particularly reasonable. <laughs> I don't think it's reasonable <laughs> at all. If I could, if I could not have it, I would, because I can't even do left and I can't even do left and right. So I don't know left. If you tell me, hey, turn left, it's a fifty-fifty gamble. As, Hold up your hand. It's an L. Yeah, no, those are, see, people say this all the time. That, that's, those are exactly the same for me. Are they? Exactly the same. I don't know. That's, it's, I don't know. Still don't know which one is the L. So, like, (laughs) people do that one all the time. And I think, you know what? I'm pretty smart. Do you think I'd not worked that one out already? (laughs) Good point. I'm, I'm all, I like the, uh... (laughs) do you think, (laughs) I wonder, but if that, you know, I, I think what people, people are maybe doing and and you know no bad intention about it is they think that a dyslexic would go oh god yeah oh that's brilliant oh that is brilliant why did i why didn't anybody tell me that's <laughs> like i've had that since it's I was a, a good kid. message I've, I've had that since i was a kid people going well just do that it's like or write it on your hands write the l and the r on your hands it's like it's the same l and r it's it's doesn't make any difference i can't read letters <laughs> well you could put a dot on the one and just say okay there is something visible on, on the one but it's not on the other so that's oh the okay one. but then then somebody would have to say to me 
uh, turn turn to dot. Yeah, okay. that's okay. Like, yeah, no, I could totally do that. So we would need. So the rest of the world works with left and right. <laughs> so you know, so change the so language. I could manip. I could. I could. I could become dictator of the whole of the world and go. We've got dot, <laughs> not dot. Okay. Well, I think you're headed there. <laughs> see that? See that? What you need to understand is that's the world we live in. Is the world we live in is a right. world of left and right, and it's been made by the majority of the population whose brains do left and right. Good on you. You're the majority. You rule. It's great. I'm, I'm all for you. It's just we don't work like that, and we don't have the power to adapt uh, your systems on you. It'd be a little bit unfair on you because they're working great. They're working great for you. <laughs> but so True. some parts of the of 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 the of the human world we have a little bit of problem with, and other parts we literally make it decent for you by creating uh, light. Uh, e equals MC squared, uh, incredible art. Um, uh, one of us just put their, their people carrier up into space. Richard Branson took Branson. went up yeah. into space today. Um, and so, you know, he's doing some of the, some groundbreaking stuff in that area. Uh, Marie Curie uh, was pretty helpful as well. There's a, there's a lot of this world made by dyslexia. Uh, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. I, I speak for everybody. I'll, I'll use the royal weenie as an American, uh, or me, yeah, yeah. or what is it? Uh, no, yeah, the royal weenie. We thank yeah. you. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, while we're working out how the rest of the world can benefit by dyslexia or suffer it, where can people yeah, find? Yeah, sure. So get over to truthplane.com. T r u t h p l a n e. Truthplane.com. Get over there. You'll find me there. Uh, you'll find all the books there. You'll find uh, video training there. You'll find my keynotes over there. Just just hang around uh, over there. Or if you if you can't remember Truth Plane, Mark Bowden, just put that in, Google that, and up I'll come. And he's not the author of not Black the Hawk author Down. of Black Hawk Down. That can cause problems sometimes. Uh, I've had I've had TV shows ring me up and go, "Could you uh, come and talk on the current terrorist uh, threat?" I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I might be, might be helpful. But, uh, <laughs> then I go, are you sure? You know, you're after the right Mark Bowden there. But if you put in Mark Bowden body language, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely come up. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, hey, I probably will like to have you come I mean, back. Listen, anytime, anytime. I'm, I'm oh, always happy to talk to you. All right. Thanks so much for Great coming. Great to speak on. to you, and thanks everybody for listening. <laughs>